הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שברנו וכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש ומשר בארץ המה ובפחד לרבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחן נובע מקור חוכמה רבנו נחן נצא גנה נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותם תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן בעזרת השם We will start תורה סמר בית תורה 62 And um, there's a beautiful um, video or an audio that Rabbi Sal Dorodeser, um, Saba, that they made one of, um, that they have an audio of Saba on this Torah when Saba was studying this Torah with someone else. And um, the amazement that Saba had whenever he first studied this Torah, he talks about it over there. If anyone wants to see it, it's in Hebrew. I think there's um, with subtitles in Hebrew as well um, over there. There's such a... Um, and write Saba Yisrael, and uh, <coughs> you'll see there an awesome video. But nonetheless, look at it over there. It's pretty incredible. Just the amazement that he has over what Rabbeinu is about to teach us, which is this. So Rabbeinu brings up the verse, God led the nation roundabout. It's in Shemot chapter 13. So, let's see what it says. רבנו teaches us a, a statement that's a wow. Tells us that when a Jew eats, he causes the unification between Hakadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina face to face. And this is literally what we are created to do. We know all the mitvot that we are here to do. Everything that we are here to do is to cause this unification between Hakadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina. Rabbeinu says the simple act of eating does this. Just to imagine what, what we're learning here. Just the simple act that when a Jew eats, he's able to do this. Obviously, there's conditions we're going to see. But even through the most physical act in the world, there's the greatest unification, the greatest spiritual attainment one can do. Boaz told Ruth, when it's mealtime, come over here, approach here. Which means that when it's time to eat, come come to the field, etc. So what does it say in the verse? It says at mealtime specifically. Meaning when one eats, what's Goshi Alom in the verse? What does that represent? This is the unification between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina. How do we know this? It says in the Sefer Yehuda approached Yosef. This was one king meeting another king. Yehuda is a king. Yosef is a king. This is the meeting between these two kings. Now, We see the word Vayigash. Vayigash is Goshi. It's a play on the same, it means the same thing. It's approaching. And we see that Vayigash references one king with another king. The, the meaning and aspect of one king with another king. The same thing is Malchut is the Shechina and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the king. It's one meeting and another. And if, um, Halom we also know in the Gemara. Rabbeinu didn't bring it up here, but it's um, taught in different lessons that in Halom and Malchut, that Halom is a reference to Malchut. That it's a reference to uh, kingship. So Goshi is the king, Malka, Halom is Malchut, even, and that's a unification between Akash Barachun and Shechina. But the food that we are eating in order to accomplish this unification has to be food that is purified and has nothing impure mixed into it. For food that has impurities within it, it can cause man to sin. So Rabbeinu teaches us the one condition is that the food has to be purified. And how does one purify food? Rabbeinu teaches us through 
emuna through faith. Ki aimet, for the truth is this. That which Hashem um, um, limited us to comprehend, meaning for the human mind to, to make comprehensible, meaning Hashem made our minds limited, right? He gave us limits. But it's a mitzvah to sharpen our intellect, to understand something clearly. Um, and upon this it says, Know what to respond to the atheist, to the denier of God. For there's a difference between questions. There's one question that a man can bring a, an answer on this question. That's the first type of question. There's an answer to it. And it says in the Pirkei Avot, know what to respond, etc. But the question, that it's not possible for the human mind to give a question, to give an answer to this question. The mind cannot grasp this question, so it can't give the answer. Meaning it can't grasp the answer, it can't um, understand what to respond to this. Only in the future, um, the answer will come. So these questions, Rabbanu says, to these questions that have no, that it's impossible in the human brain to, to respond to, it's forbidden to analyze these questions. And anyone who relies on his own intellect and delves into these questions, upon this person, it says in Mishle, all those that go to her, she will never return. Meaning to these questions that we are talking about. These people who delve into the questions that have to, that, that to be honest are above the comprehension of the mind. Meaning like the, the questions of free will, etc. Like, like those things. Anyone who tries to delve into this and try to understand it will end up um, falling off. For a question like this, it's impossible. It's forbidden to rely on someone's intellect. It's forbidden. You only can rely on faith. And sometimes it's possible that within the question that there is an answer to, um, that the mind is sealed, the pathways of the mind are sealed from this answer. And he doesn't know how to respond, even though the response is there. And he's injected with um, atheism. And he doesn't know how to respond to this atheism. Meaning this atheistic question is something that you can respond to. As we saw, the question that references the one that we can respond to, the one that there's an answer to, is what it says in Pirkei Avot, know what to respond to the Apikores. So, but this time, the person's path, the mind is sealed up, he doesn't know how to answer it, and he's injected with this Apikorsut. This Apikorsut is to each and every person according to his level. One can understand either more or less Meaning the answer to this question. One can understand it more, one can understand it less. For one must serve Hashem with two types of inclinations. We know there's the good inclination and the evil one. But the evil inclination must be constantly subdued to the good one. Then in the first verse in Shema, With all your hearts. What did it say over there? Why did it say your hearts in plural? To... Teach us a concept of two. Bishnei Tzachah with your two inclinations, the good and the bad. That your heart is complete with Hashem. That there shouldn't be strife between the two inclinations. 
Meaning that your heart should not be divided. It says in Hosea, their heart is divided. Don't divide your heart, meaning the Yetzirah should be constantly subdued to the Yetzirah Tov, etc. That they shouldn't be in strife. But the truth is, if a man knew with a whole heart that Hashem's glory fills the entire earth, that Hashem exists, and He's everywhere, and that Hashem stands up when a person prays and He's listening to His prayer, it's certain that this man would pray with great passion and he would be very precise to have a great concentration in his words. But because a person isn't so sure that Hashem fills up the entire earth, he isn't so sure that Hashem is listening to his prayer. He doesn't know this knowledge with complete heart. This is the reason why a person isn't um, concentrating so much and has so much passion in his prayer and he isn't so meticulous. And the, met- the meticulousness, the passion that he has during prayer is according to how little or how um, much, how little or how uh, small his intellect and knowledge is. Can he Meaning, according to how small his knowledge of God is, his knowledge and his understanding of where how God fills the entire earth, the same is true and the same applies to his passion. And in his prayer, etc. This knowledge we're talking about to know that God fills up the entire earth comes from the Yetzeratov within the heart. And that knowledge which is constantly trying to be concealed from us. Who does this work? Who tries to conceal this knowledge from within the heart? And this concealing of this knowledge of knowing God's existence is the apikosut, is the atheism and all the questions. That the Yetzirah is constantly perplexing our hearts with so that we should fall into evil. So Rabbeinu says that the Yetzirah, that's the atheism within each and every one of us that constantly tries to make us fall into doubts of God's existence. Rabbanu teaches us how to subdue the Yetzirah completely, not to fall into these, this apikosu, not to have doubts about Shem. The tikkun for all of this is the strife within the heart. To repair that strife within its root. Because why is it that we have fallen into this atheism? Because we have strife. The Yetzirah is trying to attack our Yetzirah Tov. But if it was subdued, it wouldn't have the, we wouldn't have these questions. Meaning the essential existence of this strife with the Yetzirah, the fact that this Yetzirah, this evil inclination has a machloket on the Yetzirah Tov, where does it get its power from? Where does this machloket come from? From holy machloket. That when in its root, this machloket of Yetzirah, this machloket of atheism is trying to attack us, comes from a very lofty place. But when it comes down into the world level by level, until it devolutes down here in this world, it becomes a machloket of the Yitzhah. It says in um, Hosea that their hearts were divided, meaning your heart is divided into two, and And now when it comes down here, this holy machloket in its root then gets distil- then gets devoluted down into here as in machloket of Yitzhah. And then Epikorsut gets instilled within the person. And it seals up a person's intellect so that he doesn't know how to respond to this question. 
What's the holy machloket that we were talking about? That is the source of this machloket of the Yitzharah? The source of these questions of Apikotsus is the machloket of holiness that exists between the Tanaim, the authors of the Mishnah, and the authors of the Gemara, the Mishnah, the Mishnah sages, sorry, and the sages of the Talmud, etc. That one sage at the time of the Gemara, one sage at the time of the Mishnah, said that this was permitted, one said that this was prohibited. But when it devolutes down here from its source and holiness, from that machloket in the Tanah or the Gemara, in the in the Mishnah or the Gemara, it comes down here as the machloket of the Yetzirah against the Yetzirah Tov. And when one rectifies this holy machloket, then automatically the machloket of the Yetzirah gets completely dissolved. Because the Yetzirah's machloket only grabs its strength from that holy machloket. So if we repair that holy machloket, then we don't need to have this evil machloket. It, it it vanishes. And how does one rectify? Holy Machloket? Look what Rabbeinu is teaching us. Legal rulings. To come out with a halakha that is psak. Meaning, come out with a halakha and from the Machloket of, of let's say, between to understand what the halakha is from that. Meaning, what to do? What's the practicality of this? For that legal ruling is the peace and the resolution of that machloket between the, Mish- the Mishnahic sages, the, the Talmudic sages, etc. And through studying halakha, he binds um, himself to holy peace and he rectifies this holy machloket. And then he nullifies the machloket of the Yetzirah within his heart. Now he's able to serve Hashem with a complete heart. With both, with his entire heart. With both inclinations. And now his, the, the gates of his mind are open so that he knows what to respond to that question of atheism. Look what Rabbeinu is telling us. Gemara is not complete. Mishnah is not complete without halakha. <laughs> that you cannot just study Mishnah, you cannot study Gemara. The most important thing is the halakha, which is the psak, what to do. It's not the pilpul, it's not the going back and forth between the Mishnah and the Gemara. That is the, the completion of that makhloket. The completion of makhloket, the rectification of holy makhloket, comes through what to do at the end of the day. Bet Shammai says this, Bet Hilal says this, what's the practicality? What's the final thing that I have to do? Who do we follow? And when a person understands the practicality and what a person should do, and he understands the advice that he should apply to his heart, meaning that the Gemara doesn't stay as a study, you apply to fulfill what the Gemara is talking about, to understand that what we should do, what Hashem wants us to do, then the Machloket is repaired in its source, and then the questions that come from Apikosut, um, we will be able to answer. Rabbeinu is teaching us something. Beyond awesome. The and a huge principle to teach us to understand that study is the most, not the most important thing. Yes, we have to study the halakha, of course, but it's the practicality, it's the, it's the, um, it's the final ruling that, that counts, that we have to understand. Now, yes, it's important to study Gemara and halakha. Rabban was very big on this. But halakha has an even higher place because halakha is all about the practice which is what makes us the better Jew. And all of this creates this peace 
and this resolution between the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov. This is the letters of the word Shalom, peace. Take the, the phrase, know what to an answer to the Apikoros. And it says in Pirkei Avot, take the first letter of the phrase, you have Vav, Mem, Shin, and Lamed. Play, mix around those. Um, um, the first letters, you get Shalom. To teach us what? What's Shalom? Peace. Knowing what to understand the Apikores. Shalom, meaning through peace, which we attain through what? The Halakha. The understanding, the, studying the legal rulings and understanding Psal Kalakha. Through that peace, a man knows how to under, how to respond to the atheism within his heart because sometimes it's not a person that's trying to make you fall into doubt of God's existence. It's actually your own heart, your Yetzirah. So how do you do that? Study Alakha. And understand and study Psalm Alakha. And this is what it says in Tehidim. I will praise you with a straight heart. When I study your just laws, your righteous laws, levav daika. What did it say? I will praise you with a straight heart. Levav daika. Mishnei is saying, "Well, levav hearts." Should have said, "Biyosher lev," with a straight heart. But it said, "Levav hearts," meaning what? Mishnei is saying with the two inclinations, as we saw above in the in Shema. Ematayka lamdi mishpetetikecha. When did one serve Hashem with praise Hashem with straight hearts? When is this? When with both yetzers? Whenever he studies your righteous laws, meaning through studying But those questions. So now we just tackled the questions that have an answer to it. But those questions that don't have an answer to it, it's forbidden for a man to delve into them. You just must reinforce yourself with faith. And when his emunah is complete, it's possible that through his food, through his eating, sorry, that when your emunah is complete, it's possible that now when you eat, he's able to, when he eats, cause the unification between HaKadosh Baruch and Shekhinah. And as we saw at the beginning of the lesson, not back to back, not back to face, face to face, the highest possible unification that exists. <laughs> and shepherd or nourish faith. Meaning what? Through the faith that we have, we are able to cause this awesome thing through eating. The concept of food or eating through faith. And how does one um, perfect and adorn faith? How do you perfect the emunah that, you just, that we just talked about? To bring those who are far closer to Hashem. So that everyone calls out in the name of God. That even the Goyim should come close to the faith of Israel and serve Hashem with unison. <laughs> so we see bringing people close from those who are bringing those who are far closer. That's perfection of faith. And how to perfect faith. Which is what we just said to bring those who are far closer. You have to do something first before you do this, which is what to elevate the sparks of the letters of speech, the sparks that exist within the letters of speech. And whenever those letters of one speech is purified and elevated, speech itself turn. Sorry, speech turns itself around. And that speech is able to collect. 
all the holy sparks that are among the evil forces. And now the klipot, the evil forces, remain without life force. Why? Because we know the evil forces only have their holiness because of the sparks of holiness. As we see here, even with the Machloket of Yitzhakah, where did it come from? The Machloket of Holiness. Everything stems from Ktusha. Even the evil forces, even that which is filthy and impure. Yeah, it can only survive through holiness. So if we take away the sparks that are within the Klipot, then the Klipot have no more force. They die, they vanish. And then the, the Goyim, whose sustenance and nourishing comes from the evil forces, when they see that they have no more life force, then they throw away their faith. And it says in Yeshaya, in the prophecy on that verse, uh, in the verse it says, on that day, each man will throw away his gods of silver and his gods of gold. Meaning the Goyim will throw away their false emunah. And they will attach themselves to the faith of Israel. And this is what it says in Tzfania, then I will turn the speech of the nations into pure speech, meaning the speech of the nation, the the faith of the, the, the their false faith, their false faiths will get turned into pure speech, which is the holiness of Am Yisrael. says pure pure speech, meaning the speech which has been purified from their midst. Why? Because we took away all the we took away all the holy sparks from within their midst. Who this will turn their speech in um, um, this speech will turn itself to the nations meaning what whenever we take those whenever we take those sparks of the letters of speech those sparks that exist within the letters of our of our words and we um, purify them then that speech of holiness turns to the klipot, raises all the holiness that is stuck um, among the klipot, and then that la language of the klipot, the evil forces, the languages of the goyim, the emunah, the goyim, will then be lost, as it says. So that holy speech will turn itself to the nations, in order to collect from them the rest of those holy sparks, and then the verse will be fulfilled. That everyone will call in the name of God. Everyone will attach themselves to the Emunah of Israel. Rabbeinu teaches us though that to elevate the sparks of speech, one needs to fast. And this is what it says. Um, By the way of their transgressions, their sins and iniquities led them to fast. Meaning, sorry, their sins, their their transgressions, brought them to the pathway to to fast. Led them to fast. It says over there, and then what does it say? At the end of the verse, he sent his word, um, as it says over there, to heal them. He sent his word to heal them. Meaning what? need For the essential rectification of speech comes through fasting. For the only way that the klipot can nullify them, nourish themselves is through the backside of holiness. For the front side of holiness, they can't nourish themselves. Oh, because the light is too bright. But sometimes, 
up from above, Hashem intentionally gives the Klipot strength from the face of holiness. But all this is not for their evil, to give them more strength. As it says in Kohelet, um, it, there's a time when one man rules over another to his own detriment. Meaning the fact that the Klipot think they've taken from the face of holiness, they think they're winning, but in fact Hashem is doing it to actually make them fall. Rabbanu teaches us that all the desires, the worldly desires, lusts, are the aspect of evil forces. For desires are excess. Because without desires, the body can sustain itself. So we see that they're excess. They're excessive to the sustaining of the body, to the existence of the body. The same is true of the evil forces. They too are excess. For the, the essential part of the klipot is only the fruit itself. The klipot is the shell. The shell no one needs. It's the excess. But whenever desires overcome a person, try to overcome someone. This is the shell that tries to overcome holiness. The evil forces that try to the husks that try to take over holiness. And Rabbanu teaches us, what are the leaders of all the worldly desires? These, this, these leaders of the worldly desires represent the three officers of Paro. Sam Ashkim, the butler of Paro, the Ofim, the baker of Paro, the Tabachim, the butcher of Paro. Shem Kanei, which represent the three um, things um, within the throat, the Kanei, the trachea, the Veshet, the esophagus and the veins which represent the ta'avot of eating and drinking which are the heads of all the that all the ta'avot are drawn after and attach themselves to this ta'avot of eating and drinking and where does this content of ta'avot and shtia um, nourish itself from? from paro itself from himself for paro comes from the word oref ha'oref the neck. What's the neck? The back side of the neck. The Oref the represents the back side of the neck. Meaning Paro gets his strength from the back side of holiness. So we see that Paro, where is his essential nourishment from? If Paro is the head of the Tavot and he represents Tavot Achila, where does he get his nourishment from? If all the Tavot nourish themselves in Paro, where does Paro get his nourishment from? from words, speech. As it says in the uh, Rashid in many different places, etc. It talks about this inyan. After these words, meaning devarim, words, speech, is the concept of achoraim. It's the concept of the backside. After, the backside, behind. So you see diburim is from the backside. Paro receives the strength from the back, which is the concept of speech. As we see in this verse, for speech is close to the paro. For the esophagus, the trachea, the vein, the veins are very close to the five articulators of speech. The way one pronounces his letters. And we've seen this in many different places. The five articulators. Look in, um, I believe, Torah 9 over there. It speaks about it. And their essential nourishment comes from that speech which is not purified, so um, which isn't totally purified. And when the leaders of Tavot, which is 
food and drink, which are the evil forces. We know the Tavot represent evil forces. When they become strong, when these evil forces, these Tavot of food and drink become strong, one needs to attach one needs to attach and conceal the backside of holiness so that they should not, that the evil forces of Paro, etc., and all the other evil forces by means of that matter, should not draw nourishment from that place. And how to cause this attachment of the backside of holiness to protect it. This is through fasting. Because just like when you write Yud Ke in the aspect of Achoraim, what's Achoraim? It's a form of spelling out a word. Achoraim means you go back to the first letter every single time. So you, what do you do? Yud Ke is Yud Hey, and then you have the Vav, and then you have the Hey. So spell it out in Achoraim form. What's Achoraim? You first, means Yud, you first write the letter Yud, and afterwards when you want to add the letter Hey, you go back to the beginning. You start with the Yud again. So it's Yod, Yod Hey, and then you have Yod Hey Vav, and then you have Yod Hey, and then Vav Hey. So Achoraim is the form of Gematria where you always go back to the first letter. The first, um, the first letter, yeah. The Kenha Ta'anit, the same is true of the Ta'anit of fasting. Rabbi is going to teach us something awesome, awesome, awesome. How Achoraim, the backside, which is this form of Gematria where you go back to the first letter, it has to do with fasting. For fasting is the essential way to nullify these three officers of the parole, the butler, the baker, and the um, the butcher, which represent those three concepts of the neck, which are constantly trying to attach itself to um, the speech, meaning parole, which represents these three concepts, these three klipot, constantly try to attach themselves onto speech and to, to subdue it. So, Fasting, which subdues these three offices, this is how you essentially attach the backside of holiness, how to protect it. For the essential merit of fasting is what? When we reckon, when we think, calculate the hours from when, fast, when, when, from when the fast began. For example, if a person fasts, Two days. The second day, which is greater, is not because of the fast. It's not because of the day itself of the second day. It's only because the fast is greater on the second day because you had the first day to begin with. That we go back to the first day, meaning the first day is what made the second day so hard because you haven't even fasted. You haven't even eaten for 24 hours already. So it's because of those first 24 hours that the second day is so hard. This is why the second day is considered greater, because the second day only has its his its merit because of the first day. It's a It's a The second, if you want to get to the letter hey, you have to first go back to the letter yud because you cannot get there without the yud. Rabbeinu also teaches us that all the essence of speech and words start at the beginning. As Rashi says, as we know. That all, all the beginnings are difficult. When someone starts something, that's the most difficult part. Because when you start something new, you're going from one opposite extreme to the other. It's something completely brand new. You never tried this. But after he starts something, he enters immediately into um, 
habit ve'eno kasher av korkach and then it doesn't become so difficult ve'chen bechol yom ve'yom sheolech lemerachok me'atchala and the same is true every single day that you go further on from the beginning meaning the second day the third day fourth day which is further on the longer you go from the time you started ken nakel adava so the further on you go the easier the matter becomes that you become a little habituated to the thing. We find that the essential strength of all service starts at the beginning. That we need to return to the, the first part, to the first day of starting that thing. That we need to understand and to fast. Which is the beginning of Teshuvah. That what's tshuva? That it was very difficult upon him at the beginning because he went from one opposite extreme to the next, to the other. But every single day, he adds on, he goes back to the beginning in order to receive strength from that beginning. And because these officers that we mentioned, the butcher, butler, and the baker, they are close to speech for they are the concept of the neck and these they represent these, these three the esophagus the trachea and the veins and they are close to the speech because obviously those um, those um, body parts are very close to one's mouth and speech so when these three officers get strength then they try to they try to draw the holiness of speech try to draw speech into the galut of Mitzrayim into the exile of Egypt which is what? What's the exile of Egypt? The constriction of the throat. Metzach. Metzach is the word constriction, which comes from the word Mitzrayim. My throat is par- parched. It's dry. Meaning what? The concept of speech is in Galut. What does it mean my throat is dry? You're not able to speak one word before Hashem. What does it mean when your throat is dry? You can't speak. Speech is in Galut. But what does speech do? It sweetens, it sweetens oneself to draw down the waters of kindness, of loving kindness, to moisten the throat, to bring moisture to the throat. Now he can speak. Fasting brings moisture to the throat, which now gives you the ability to speak. Speech is brought out from Galut. <laughs> it's amazing. And this is what it said in Bereshit. There was a famine in the land. Famine represents the concept of hunger, of, of uh, fasting. Obviously, because you, you're not eating. that you're making yourself hungry. This is the way to attach the backside of holiness to protect it. Because if you take the achoraim of Yud Kevavke and the achoraim of Elokim, add them up together, you get the, the numerical value of ra'av, hunger. Look at this chidush. Because if you take Yud Kevavke ba'achoraim, then Yud, meaning if you take the letters Yud, Yud Hey. Yud, hey, vav, and then you have yud, hey, vav, and hey. Take all those letters, add them up together. You add up to the numerical value of 72. If you take elokim, meaning like this, aleph, then aleph, hey, then aleph, hey, and then, uh, sorry, aleph, aleph, lamed, aleph, lamed, hey, aleph, lamed, hey, and then yud, and then aleph, lamed, hey, yud, and men, it adds up numerically to 200. You have 200. And then the 72 of the Achoraim of Yud Kevavke, Ushnehem Yachad Olim Resh Einbet, add them up all together. You get 272 numerical value of hunger, famine. 
So Yud Kevavke and Elohim Ba'achoraim, the back side, is what? Is Gematria Ra'av, hunger, which is fasting. Meaning what? When you fast, which is the concept of Ra'av, famine, because you're not making yourself eat, then you draw down the strength of Yudke, Vavke, and Elohim. But you draw strength to wear the backside of these names. That is why we do the numerical value in the context of Achoraim, going back to the first letter. So you're drawing strength to the backside of Hashem, the backside of, holy, backside of holiness, so that the Kippur cannot attach itself onto it. What did that mean? Avram descended to Egypt? Meaning this is the concept of the waters of Chesed descending down to to bring moisture to the, the constrictions of the throat. What's Egypt? Metzah Agaron, we said. The constriction of the throat. What's Abraham? We know Abraham is Chesed. So what is Chesed coming down? It's coming down to bring water to the throat. You cannot need to protect it from the parch, from the throat being parched. You cannot haloch As it says over there, Abraham descended down to Egypt, moving steadily. Haloch. Moving steadily towards the south. Meaning what? What's Hanegba, the south? From the word Negiva, which means dryness. To moisten the dryness. Abraham was going down, all the way down, to moisten the dryness of the throat. So that it should, so that the verse should be fulfilled in Yeshaya. Cry out from the throat. Don't hold back. Meaning what? Now you don't have to hold back because your throat is parched. Now you don't have to hold back because the klipot aren't holding on to you anymore. The throat has chesed. The backside of holiness is protected. So whenever the backside of holiness is constantly in dvekut and its, its attachment to holiness, that the klipot cannot go inside and enter and try to sustain itself off the backside of holiness, then the face of holiness is revealed. The as and then it fulfills the verse, that the officers of Pharaoh saw her, Sarah, it says, whenever Abraham and Sarah descend down to Egypt, it says the officers of Pharaoh saw her. Meaning what? That these officers that we talked about, the, the klipot, the three klipot that we mentioned, the esophagus, the trachea, the the veins which try to um, attack holiness, it sees Sarah. What does it mean? It sees Sarah. It sees the splendorous beauty of speech. Sarah's speech. What does it say in the verse? They praised her to Paron. We know that Sarah um, is speech. Of course. Because uh, Sarah is the concept of Malchut, and Malchut is speech, Malchut Peh. And all of this is, is intentional from Hashem Itbarach in order to take out Bil'am from their mouths. Um, in order to remove Bil'am from their mouths. What does this mean? Sometimes there's a man which rules over another man, but it's to his own detriment. Meaning, Paro thought he had the upper hand, he took Sarah. But no, it was actually to his own detriment. The woman that fears God is, that, is, is praiseworthy. What did the 
the officer Paro say? They praised her to Paro. It says in the verse that they praised her, Sarah to Paro. And what did it say about her? That she's uh, the concept of praiseworthy. We see the concept of tit halal, halalu, the same aspect over here. The only reason why this occurs, why is it that Hashem sends Sarah all the way down into Egypt? Why did Hashem send speech down into the Galut? Why did Hashem put speech in such a, in such a difficult position, in such, in such a tremendously tough area? So that it should follow the verse of what it says over there in, um, in Mishle. The fear of the woman that fears God is praiseworthy. Give her of the fruits of her hand. Meaning what? Meaning so that speech is able to take out the sparks of holiness from among the klipot. So that it removes all the life force of the klipot. When speech, which is a concept of Sarah, when she goes down to Egypt in the house of Paro, what does she do? She takes her life force from among the klipot, because the klipot only receives life from there, from the backside of holiness, which is speech. So it tries to receive off Sarah. And Hashem almost tricks Paro into thinking that she has Sarah in her possession. She has, he, that he, sorry, that he has Sarah in her possession, that he has speech in his domain. But really, actually, she's removing every single bit of life force from him. And this is what speech does. It goes down into Galut to actually take away all the life force of the Tipot so that all the Goyim throw away their gods and they all turn to the Emunah of Israel to call out in the name of God. This is the essence of adorning emuna. So that you should draw others to the faith of Am Yisrael. This is what it says in the There's the beautiful maiden that has no eyes. The beautiful maiden, this represents emuna. Why is emuna the beautiful maiden? As it says about Emunah, Yafa Atrayati. You are beautiful, my beloved. And what does beloved have to do with Emunah? It says, Shepherd faith. Rayati is from the word beloved, means beloved in the, in the verse in Shirashim. Or Emunah, though. Um, comes the word shepherding. So we see Re'e and Rayati from the same words. So we see the, the concept of Emunah is actually a reference to, sorry, that um, Emunah, which is beautiful. Um, is actually the concept of, um, sorry, is <clears throat> actually the concept of the maiden, which is beautiful. For the maiden is beautiful, as it says, you are beautiful, my beloved. And what's the beloved a reference to? Emuna or e emuna. Um, as we see here, that the beloved is actually a reference to emuna. So the emuna is that beautiful maiden. The uh, la enin that has no eyes. What's enin? Meaning emuna is presented with these questions, right? This is a person who's presented, who's questioned with these questions that um, a person cannot answer to with his mind. Enin, what is enin? She'en le'ayen him from the word ayen, to delve into. That these are the this is the reference to the questions that a person should not answer, that a person shouldn't delve into them, and try to um, understand them or answer them. He just reinforce himself with faith. 
So the beautiful maiden's emuna, and you have to re- reinforce your emuna to those questions that you cannot delve into. Gufa temirta leidgele. What did it say in the Zohar? Her body is concealed and revealed. For emuna is concealed. For Rabbanu teaches us something amazing. You can ask any Jew this question. If you ask the one who believes in Hashem any reason for why he has his faith, it's certain that he cannot answer you. Because emuna is only applicable for something that you have no reason for. Emunah is in a place where there's no logic that exists there. It's something that's completely supernatural. You cannot answer why you have faith in Hashem. You cannot point to something. Because emunah, faith in Hashem, is specific because um, there's no logic there. Emunah begins with, with um, emunah is in the place where logic does not exist. And nonetheless, vegalia, what does it mean that the emunah is concealed and yet revealed? But next to the person who believes, it's as if it's revealed to him. It's as if he see with, sees with, an, with, his, with his own eyes the thing that he's believing in. Because of the fact how complete his emunah is. It's a beautiful thing. Rabban was teaching us. What does it say about emunah or about this beautiful maiden that has no eyes? It um, goes out in the morning and it conceals itself during the day. For emunah renews itself by every single person. Every single morning. It says in the morning, you renew, your faith is great. So we see the concept of emunah is renewed in the mornings. Emunah is great in the mornings. But it's covered during the day. What does that have to do? Emunah conceals itself during the day because the world is out toiling in the, in the um, busyness of the of the work or of the day. She adorns herself with adornment that were not. What is that were not? Meaning, how does one adorn emunah? The essential adornment of faith is when a person brings faith to someone who does not, who is not close to it. In the beginning, the lahavo that we're not meaning, emuna is perfected and adorned whenever one who is not close to Hashem becomes close. That's how you essentially adorn faith. So Rabbeinu teaches us the most amazing connection between all these ideas of fasts, emuna, food, how it's able to bring the unification between and the concept of questions, the two types of questions. And that Hashem, may we apply what we're studying, and uh, God willing, this is where we're going to stop today and finish the lesson next class.